This life-changing message comes to you from Church of the Harvest. It's our prayer that this message will inspire your life and bring hope to your future. Well, we're going to continue this morning with a message called Father's Design on Marriage. But before we get into it, I've got some um, kids' answers to some questions. When asked what is love... This is Chrissy, age six, said, Love is when you go out to eat and give somebody most of your French fries with, without making them give, any, give you any of theirs. That's love. Have you shared a French fry lately? <laughs> love is when my mommy makes coffee for my daddy and she takes a sip before giving it to him to make sure it tastes all right. That's Danny, age seven. Love is like a little old woman and a little old man who are still friends even after they know each other so well. That's Tommy, age six. You really shouldn't say I love you unless you mean it, but if you mean it, you should say it a lot. People forget. That's Jessica, age eight. How do you decide whom to marry? You got to find somebody who likes the same stuff. Like if you like sports, she should like it that you like sports. And she should keep the chips and the dip coming. <laughs> Something tells me what's going on at home there. That's Alan, age 10. No person really decides before they grow up who they're going to marry. God decides it all the way before, and you get to find out later who you get stuck with. It's Kirsten, age 10. How can a stranger tell if two people are married? Married people usually look happy when they're talking to other people. That's Eddie, age 6. Is it better to be single or married? It's better for girls to be single, but not for boys. Boys need someone to clean up after them. That's Anita, age nine. How would you make a marriage work? Tell your wife she looks pretty, even if she looks like a truck. Ricky, age 10. How do you make a person fall in love with you? Tell them you own a whole bunch of candy stores. That's Dale, age six. Carmel, age nine, said, shake your hips and hope for the best. Bart, age nine, said, one way is to take the girl out to eat Make sure it's something she likes to eat. French fries usually work for me. That's Bart, age nine. <laughs> How many know that we need God's answers for marriage? That man is trying to solve it. We, the world tries to give us answers, but we need what God says. And his word should be our final authority. And God's design for marriage 
is the only way that really operate or function to its max. You can have a great marriage when you do things God's way. If you don't, you won't. As simple as that, because he created marriage. He's the one that came up with this. And it's really a, it's a covenant. It's, it's deeper than a, a contract. It's, it's a covenant. And it's not a covenant just between you and your spouse. It's between, between you and your spouse and God that you make these vows and you commit to each other in marriage. And we talked about marriage was to be an answer to problems, not a, a problem creator. That God created marriage to be an answer to a problem. Man had a problem. He needed help. He needed a companion. He needed a helper to come alongside of him that would fit him, that would be uh, perfect for him. So God made or created Eve as a solution to man's problem. And we saw that Eve came out of Adam. That God created Eve and God took out of Adam the spirit and the soul of Eve and he took out a rib. And he took out that rib and he formed and he built Eve. And then he woke up Adam and Adam sees his helper, his companion, and immediately he recognized her because he knew her, her spirit, her soul, because she had been in him, a part of him. And we see the progression or we see the way relationships are supposed to work. We're supposed to know someone's spirit and soul before we know their body. And the world has it backwards, know the body and then get to know them. But it doesn't work that way. God's design is that you know a person's spirit, their soul, and then you know their body. In other words, if you're dating someone, you should ask a million questions. You should be finding out about their soul, about their spirit. Do they belong to God, for one thing? Are they a new creation? That's, that tells you about their spirit and their soul. What's their, what's their vision? Do they have the same goals? Are you compatible? You've got to ask questions and find out. You need to know them by the spirit and the soul before you know their body. Marriage is God's idea. And when they sinned, do you remember what happened? They put on fig leaves and God comes into the garden and he's calling for Adam. He says, Adam, where are you? And Adam finally said, I heard you coming. I heard your voice and I hid myself because I was naked. I... And God said, what? Who told you that? Have you eaten of that tree that I told you not to eat of? And Adam, in a great move of protecting his wife, said, It's that woman that you gave me. God, she did it. She gave me the apple. And the blame game started. And the fig leaves came on. And there was separation. Before, there had never been a axe to grind. There had never been a, a wall of separation. But now there was the blame game. And there was this struggle that was going to take place in marriages. In Genesis 3 verse 6, 
It says, so when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that was pleasant to the eyes, and the tree desirable to make one wise, she took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, say with her. You wonder where Adam was during all this. He was with her, and he ate. Then the eyes of both of them were open, and they knew that they were uh, naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves coverings. They hid themselves from God and from each other. That's what sin does. Sin makes you hide from God. But really, when you know the truth, you should run to God and get His help and get His comfort and, and forgiveness. Today, there's fig leaves of fear, insecurity. There's fig leaves of a baggage from the past. There's these fig leaves that, that separate. And God has called us to be open with each other, have a transparent relationship where all the fig leaves come off. And we saw that um, a marriage, you're actually a problem solver for each other. You help each other walk through this and take off the fig trees. That you can have that intimate, open, transparent relationship with your this special someone that God created for you, and you can be open in a safe place, and you can share your heart. That's the, the molding of a one flesh. That's coming together the way God wants us to be one. It's that transparency. But many times people won't be transparent because of fear, and they have to know that your spouse, I've got your back. You have each other's back. You're for each other. And once you get that security and peace, you can move on in your relationship. But remember, your wife, husbands, is your, your rib. If she has a cracked rib, it's your fault. Because you're responsible. She's your prime rib. You take care of her. Take care of her. And we're going to get into... Uh, some of that this week and I know the next. Genesis 3.14. And this is the curse that came. And I thought we'd just go from there and talk about what happened and, and what we need to do about it. Then the Lord said to the serpent, Because you have done this, you are cursed more than all the animals, domestic and wild. You will crawl on your belly. This is the curse that God gave to the serpent. He said, Because you have done this, then he said to the woman, I will sharpen the pain of pregnancy. In pain you will give birth. You will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. I want you to notice here, it didn't say because you have done this. He just says that to the serpent and to the man. Look at the, the next verse, 17. And to the man he said, since you listened to your wife and ate from the tree, whose fruit I command you not to eat, the ground is cursed because of you, because of you. The curse, the, the sentence that came down, God told, didn't tell the woman it's because of you. Let me tell you who it was because of that Eve had this curse put on her. It was because of Adam. It was because of Adam. 
you look down and you'll see that sin was passed down through the first Adam. When you look at scriptures, say it was passed down through Adam. It didn't say it was passed down through Adam and Eve. It was passed down through Adam. Thank God for the second Adam, Jesus, that came to redeem us. But God put the blame or said, it's man's fault. And then scriptures, we see that Adam was responsible for what took place, responsible for his wife, and the curse came because of him. Say, because of Adam. And you see this in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 14. And Adam was not deceived, but the woman being deceived fell into transgression. Nevertheless, she will be saved in childbearing if they continue in faith, love, and holiness with self-control. The consequences of Adam's sin was passed down to the whole entire human race. Eve was deceived. What did she tell God? What did she say back to... uh, Let me just read it to you. I put this, I didn't put that scripture in there. Well, this is what she said. God asked her, said, what have you done? After he asked Adam, said it was the woman. And he said, what have you done? She said, I was deceived by the serpent and I ate. You know, she's the only one that told the truth. She told the truth. She was deceived. And she ate. So she fell into transgression, but her husband there could have stopped her and told her, don't eat of that. So God held man responsible. So who do you think is responsible for the family today? You're so wise. Yes. So Genesis 3 Uh, Well, let me go back. I've already covered that. So Eve was deceived and fell into this curse because Adam did not lead his family. Now, it's important who you marry. Girls, it's important who you marry because they're to lead you. Might be a good question. If we get married, where are you going to lead me? Do you have a vision for the future? Um, well, hadn't thought about that. I know my mom, she cooks good. No vision. That's where you're being led. <laughs> Well, I thought you would get a good job and I would stay home and watch sports. Hey, if they can't tell you then, they're not going to tell you after you get married. Unless there's a change. Moving on. And I'm talking about women today. I'm just, if we will get to it. A husband and wife need to understand their God-given assignment in their marriage. Without this understanding, 
If you don't recognize your role, you cannot fulfill the God-given assignment that God's given you in that marriage. And we get the roles mixed up. I went through a divorce and even had some people tell me, you can never preach. Thank God. There is redemption and there's grace. So if you've been in that place, there's, you can move. You can move past that. But see, I would have laid money on the table and, and I was the blame game. I blamed the X for everything. But when I started looking at scriptures, when I got radically saved, I looked and said, man, I blew it everywhere you can turn. It was me. Shock. You mean it was me, Lord? He said, yeah, it was you. What? I didn't lead nowhere. I was leading the wrong direction. It was all about me. Selfish. Feed me. Boy, did I get a surprise. <laughs> I find out what the Word says. So we need this understanding. And only your spouse can fulfill their assignment. Don't take their assignment. Don't take their responsibility. Because they're called... When you take their responsibility, you're out of order. I've had ladies say, I'm not sure if it'll get, get done or not. Let it not get done. Well, what about me? Trust God. <laughs> the blessing is in God's design. Both spouses will only find true fulfillment when they're walking in their God-given assignment and responsibility. That's where the blessing of the marriage comes forth, when we're doing what we're responsible for. When a husband is not leading his wife and family, he's attempting to take his wife's position. And you know what happens? Problems. She'll have to take over take your position, and then you resent it the whole time. Because you won't get up your lazy rear end and lead. You've got to lead. Well, she's not going to like me lead. Good. Because if you do what God says, He can deal with her. Well, I might hear some, there might be a little tantrum yeah it's okay you've had enough of them yourself you can live through it let him lead well he doesn't want to lead well he doesn't know it but inside him is greatness a leader there's a leader inside of him that needs to come out and you can draw it out God did not make Adam for Eve. God made Eve for Adam. God didn't call Adam to be his wife's helper. See, so many times women get focused on what he's not doing for me, but here's the question. Your assignment is to be a helper for him. What are you doing to help him in the God-given vision that God has given him? That's what you need to be focusing on. 
says in Genesis 3.16, and you will desire to control your husband, but he will rule over you. So a curse came on, on women, this desire to control their husbands. But God said, I still haven't changed my mind. He will rule over you or be the authority, be the head of the relationship. That's God's design. That's God's plan. He still hasn't changed his mind. How do women do this? The cold shoulder, tears. Maybe they do throw a, a fit. Maybe it's all kinds of things. You know, your, your toast is burnt. All kinds of things to manipulate and get their way. How did this happen? It became, it's part of the curse. But we've been redeemed from the curse. Women, you're not to manipulate. You're not to control your husband. All the guys should be going, amen, yes, hallelujah. I'll get you next week. Okay. Within marriage, God has established a husband to be the head. Now, when you look in scriptures, the husband was represented by Jesus. Wife is represented by the church. You think about how does Jesus rule over us? Does he do it for iron fist? Is he a dictator? Is he uh, abusing us? No, not at all. He's a wonderful Lord. He's a good God. He, he leads us with love, instruction, prayer. And we can see the man's role in this. But this is the, the world, there's a struggle for control, but it should not be in the believer's home. It should not be. It should be a, a oneness, a strength. Genesis 5.22. In, in Genesis 5.22 through 33, and we won't cover it all today, but this is where you find the blueprint for marriage. This is where you see God's design for marriage. If you can get this, you can have an awesome marriage that grows better and better each year. There can be a oneness. There can be that intimacy. There can be that strength that comes from a couple that are walking in God's design for marriage. And we see here, Wives, submit to your own husbands as to the Lord, for the husband is the head of the wife, as also Christ is the head of the church. He is the Savior of the body. Therefore, just as the church is subject to Christ, so let the wives be to their own husbands in everything. Now, when I say the word submission, many people cringe or they're fearful. But see, we, we have a misunderstanding of submission. Submission means to, uh, to come under subject to someone's authority, to yield. It, it actually, humility is in that word, submission. That's what submission is. It doesn't mean that you agree about everything and... All of us walk in submission. We should be walking in submission to the, to the law, to policemen, to, to the government, to your supervisor, or your boss at work. You're walking, you're yielding. That There's a, a place of coming under their authority. That's what submission, that's what it's talking about here. It says for the wife to submit to the husband as unto the Lord. It's a powerful 
statement when you think about it. The perception is that the woman is inferior and the man superior, and that's just not the case. It's not true. In fact, I will tell you, uh, throughout church history, it's been the, the women that have carried it. Uh, it doesn't mean she's less intelligent. Uh, many times she's more intelligent. Sometimes I think it's probably easier for a woman to lead than a man. He just go to work, do the same. She'll just leave, take care of everything. And it's easier for a man to maybe submit and just let it, let it go than the woman is. But isn't it interesting that God made it where we had to use faith? <laughs> that we had to trust him to do it. And that's what this is about, pleasing him. And God molds and shapes us together that we can be everything that God's called us to be in his purpose and destiny. It happens when we do it God's way. When a wife understands biblical submission, she will experience more freedom and blessing than she ever has in her life. Because it's a key I'll I'll talk about in just a minute. We submit to Jesus because he loves us. He accepts us as equals. He made us joint heirs with him. We're seated in Christ Jesus in heavenly places. He made us equal with him. He sees us like him. You know what's in that? There's acceptance. It's easy to submit to someone who loves you and accepts you, isn't it? And so we submit to the Lord in that way. So we need to understand this, that although the husband is the head, the woman's not inferior, the man's not superior, you're equal. You're equal before God. And you see this in your notes. The principle of authority and submission only work when one in authority and the one in submission recognize their equality. If you don't have equality in this, it's slavery. It's a dictatorship. But there's equality in this. We're equal. We're both, we all stand before God. And, and the word talks about there's neither male nor female before God. In the spirit, we're one before him. And that's what that's talking about. Spiritually, we are equal. But in every place, God has set up a chain of command. He set up a a, a place of having a leader. Do you notice your body that you just have one head? There's not two heads on you. There's one head. Why? Because God set it up that way. And when you recognize this, it's for your protection. It's for your blessing that we do it God's way, because that's when grace will flow. When a couple sees their uh, equality in Christ, there's no insecurity about their importance. When you know who you are in Christ, there's no identity crisis that you feel less than. No, you feel you're a new creation in Christ. You're equal. Submission means to put under subjection to authority, yielding, and humility. Submission's an attitude. You should always submit to authority. It doesn't mean that you always agree. It doesn't mean you always obey. If they ask you to do something against the Word of God, you respectfully disobey in a submissive way. The disciples, they were preaching the gospel, and they were healing the sick, 
and they were arrested and brought before the Sanhedrin council, and they did not insult them. They did not rebel against them. In fact, they were submissive and honored them. And they said, we want you to stop spreading the gospel or stop using that name Jesus. And they said, look, it's better for us to obey God than to obey man. We respectfully disobey. And that's the way we're to be. We respect maybe someone's position, but we can disagree. There's a submission. But if it's not against the word, you should flow with that. Humility means to put others first. And we receive our worth and value from God. In your notes you see, Eve passed two deceptions down to women. Number one, women can and should rule over their husbands. And number two, women must strive to prove their equality with men. The world says, exalt yourself. God says, become servant of all. In other words, let him exalt you. When you're submitted, you're actually taking the, that place, that, the highest place, and that's a servant. And God exalts you. God takes care of you. When you submit to your husband, you know what you're doing? I'm trusting you, God. I'm trusting you. And when you don't, you're saying, God, I don't think you can handle this man, so I'm going to. So you don't submit, and there's a war, and all this happens. Well, Pastor, we, we always agree. Well, great, you're walking in agreement. Submission really doesn't take place until you disagree. Well, Pastor, we always agree. Well, you're the same person then. Something. <laughs> and you should. You should agree because you're praying. You're seeking the same God. But the man is responsible for you and the kids. When a wife humbles herself to her husband, she's protected and blessed. A godly wife willingly submits to her husband because she first submits to God. In other words, you submit to God through your husband. You're, you're saying, God, I trust you. Because he might be the authority, the head, but you're the head of him. One definition I'll never forget uh, of submission means you duck. And God gets them. <laughs> Talking to your husband, he is missing it big time. Just duck. <laughs> what you're doing is saying, I'm taking it to a higher power. <laughs> and God gets some. Ellen's done that to me many times. She'll, she'll just... And I'll go up and pray, and it's not five minutes. You didn't handle that right. You're responsible. We may I'm responsible. You're responsible for my daughter. You have to say it like that. I go, hey, I didn't handle that right. I'm sorry. 
It's hard to say. You know, that, that little puppy kept me up all night. <laughs> nah, no excuse. See, I'm responsible for her. She's doubly blessed. She's got God and me looking out after her. Between the two of us, she just gets totally blessed. The power of submission. God has given the husband authority in marriage, but he gave the wife the power of submission. When a wife approaches her husband with that respect and that honor, that submission, this is the secret, he becomes putty in your hands. And you have to understand the power of submission. Because influence and manipulation are two different things. Well, how do I know? It's in the heart. What's the motivation? You give your, your opinion whatever, and you leave it and say, I turn it over to God. I'm not saying you don't say your peace. Say your peace. Definitely. But you leave the results to God. The other way is manipulation and the thing doesn't stop. You know, he finds notes on the walls. You're wrong. Do it this way. <laughs> it's manipulation. It's control. You leave it to God. Let God deal with him. But when you do that, I remember when I first started pastoring, Ellen told me something and I can't remember exactly what it was. But see, she, she is very respectful uh, and submissive to me. And she said something about something I need to do. I said, she has great influence. I said, have you prayed about that? And she said, no, I haven't prayed about that. I said, well, thank you. I said, we need to pray about that. Because I recognize the influence that she has. And, and she recognized the influence of, yeah, that was, that was just emotions. That was just me. I need to pray. Because she hears from God, but women, many times, emotions to get in there, and, and you've got to discern what God's saying. Amen? So if, if a wife, the motivation, I want my way, and manipulation, then that's not submission. That's not submission. Now your assignment doesn't change because your spouse do doesn't fulfill their responsibility. Your assignment's still the same. You're accountable before God for your responsibility, your position before Him. In 1 Peter 3, verse 1, says, Wives, likewise, be submissive to your own husbands, that even if some do not obey the word, they, without a word, may be won by the conduct or the lifestyle of their wives, whom they observe your chaste conduct accompanied by fear. Now, this is speaking of unbeliever, uh, unbelieving husband. And it's saying the power of submission can win the lost. When you show respect and honor to a man, it opens his heart and he takes notice and an unbelieving husband can be one to the Lord without you opening up your mouth but by your conduct and the way that you treat him. 
Because the number one need of a man is honor and respect. Isn't it interesting that God told the woman to respect, to submit, honor, respect the man, his number one need. And then he turned around, a woman's number one need is security. And he said, look, you love her like I love the church. How did he love the church? He went to the cross for the church. Any woman will gladly submit to any man that will sacrificially commit his whole life to her well-being. That's what it's talking about. I mean going all out in your love for her. But see, the number one need that he has and the number one need that she has, God has commanded us and given us a responsibility to fulfill that position. And there's grace for it. And it takes faith to do it. That's God's order and God's design. That's what he wants. Now this, it talks about unbelieving husband. What about a believing husband that's backslid? Or not walking with the Lord? And maybe he's gone cold between him and the Lord. You have the same power. Same power. That power of submission is awful powerful. <laughs> it's awful good. <laughs> it's awesome. In Ephesians 5.33, I'll, I'll go to the end of this, this blueprint for marriage. Nevertheless, like each one of you in particular, so love his own wife as himself, and let the wife see that she respects her husband. There's that respect. And, and you can look up honor. It's, it's the same word. Honor. And respect your husband. How do you honor and respect Jesus? Let me read you Amplify. It says, this is 1 Peter 3, 2. To respect, defer to, revere, to honor, esteem, appreciate, prize, and the human sense to adore him. That is to admire, praise, be devoted to, deeply love and enjoy your husband. Ladies, say faith. <laughs> I was in a, a marriage conference years and years ago, but I'll never forget this, that um, a woman told a, a testimony that she was reading about this, and she was praying for her father to be saved. And she had a heart of horrible childhood. He was an alcoholic, abused her, said it was just a terrible thing. Didn't even talk for years. And after she got saved, started talking to him. It was very, you know, it was just about the weather. It was nothing, you know, really there. And the Lord spoke to her and said, you need to honor him. And she said, there's nothing to honor in him. And he said... The key to his heart is to honor him. And she just got to pray and said, this is the hardest thing. There's nothing in me that wants to. There's nothing that I can see to honor him about. And she prayed and she prayed. And the Lord spoke to her something. He, she called him. And he started talking about the weather or something. And she goes, Dad, 
I want to tell you something. The time that you spent in the military protecting our freedom as a nation. When you were serving this nation, the word says that you were serving God. And I want you to know how much I respect and honor that. Thank you for doing that. And she said there was silence on the other end. At, at first she thought they hang up or, you know, what's... And then she heard weeping. And he said, thank you. I said, no one's ever thanked me for that. And then she found out later, no one had ever thanked him for anything. He had the same thing growing up. He got saved. It opened the door to his heart and he got saved. Wow. Does God know what he's doing? So, well, you just don't know my husband. There is nothing. Do it by faith. Do it by faith. He's still with you, isn't he? <laughs> God, I tell you something. There's something. Is he working? That's something in this day and time. It's a key to his heart. Don't let the world tell you that you need to lead, you need to control him. Respect him, honor him. That's God's design. And we're going to look at the man's part because he's responsible. Let's bow our heads. Father, we thank you so much for your word this morning. We thank you that your way is always blessed. It's the right way. And God, we need to do things in a righteous way. We need to do things according to your order and your design because we want to have blessed marriages. God, we want to grow in grace. We want to see, Lord, those, those places where there's fig leaves of insecurity and fear and... Uh, assignments and responsibilities and an order. God, we want all those places to come off and we, we respond to your word this morning. And God, I pray for every wife here, Lord, that you will speak to her and minister to her that she can show that honor and respect to her husband. That she can fulfill that God-given assignment, Lord, to be that Helpmate, to be that one called alongside, that special treasure, that special one that knows his heart and covers his heart. Lord, we thank you. I thank you for strong marriages. I thank you, Lord, for men rising up to be leaders. I thank you, Lord, for that companionship and that partnership. For there to be such a strength that each one grows in grace and fulfills what you've called them to do. And I thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And see, the, the man submits to God because that means everything I do my wife, I'm submitted to him. I'm listening to him, what he says about her. 
and it's an unconditional thing. You know, God says the same things over the church, whether we're acting like it or not. He's calling it. It's faith. Say, I want her, I want Ellen to be free. I want her blessed more than me. That's the way this thing works. You die, someone, this is what marriage is. Someone else becomes more important than you. That spouse does. Thank you, Lord. I want to ask you a question before we go this morning. If you were to go home, and maybe tonight, put your head on the pillow, and you don't wake up, where would you go? Where would you spend eternity? Because the way you answer that question is so important. And maybe you're thinking, I'm a good person. But you know, there's no place in the Bible that says a good person goes to heaven. Maybe you say, well, I believe in God. The Bible says that the devil believes in God. I've read the end of the book. He does not get saved. He's not going to be in heaven. Maybe you say, well, I hope to go. But there's no place in the Bible where it says, because you hope to go, that you'll go. Well, you know, I was raised in a Christian home. And my mom and dad, they say I'm a Christian. It doesn't say because your mom and dad call you a Christian that you're going to heaven. I love God. That's the last things that the terrorists said as they flew into the World Trade Center. That they love God. But it was the wrong God. And the wrong way to demonstrate love. And someone needs to be to honor you and respect you enough to tell you the truth. Because if you think that way, if that's the way you answered these, you're not going to be there. You're not going. But God made it clear. He told us how to get there. It says in the Bible that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. In John 3, He said, you must be born again. What does born again mean? This is what it means. That you give God all of your heart and all of your life. You give it to Him. That's what salvation is about. Giving all your heart and giving all your life to Him. Maybe you need to make this decision this morning. If you haven't made it, you need to make that decision. Maybe you you made this decision before, but your relationship with God's turned cold. And you're not even walking with Him. Or maybe... You just doubt. You just doubt. The enemy comes against you and says you're not really saved. For any one of these three, that's you. In just a moment, I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. I want you to raise your hand and say, that's me. We'll pray together. Right now, raise your hand if that's you and say, I, I need Jesus. See that hand. Anyone else? I need Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. We're going to pray together. Everyone say, Dear God, 
thank you for Jesus. Right now, I ask Jesus Christ be the Lord of my life. I turn my life over to you, Lord. I give you all my heart. All my ways will become your ways. If you say it in your word, I'll obey. I'm yours. Thank you for dying on the cross and paying the price that I could know you and be yours forever and ever in Jesus' name. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. If you'd like to get more information about resources from Church of the Harvest, please check out our website at midsouthharvest.org. You may also contact us by phone at 662-890-1573 or toll free at 866-383-8277. You are Lord, I'm a sinner.